The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Israel said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But, we, but you have brought us out into this desert and starved this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from, from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for the day. And this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as, the, as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said. You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are you? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard you grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was the layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, then flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord, was, this is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone, everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have, much, did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until the morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until the morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omars, for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported to Moses, and he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is to be the day of the Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake, and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left, and keep it until the morning. So they saved it until the morning, as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today it's a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath, they, on the seventh day, the Sabbath there will be 
there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was like white lamb coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it in the generations to come so that they see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer and manna on it, in it. Then to place it then place it before the Lord to keep to be kept by then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of covenant law, so that they might be preserved. Israel, the Israelites ate manna man of forty years until they came to the land that they that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. And Omer is a tenth of an ephah. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Reggie. Let's let's pause and pray. Lord, God who always gives enough, we ask that through this story, through your word, we would discover what it means that you are enough for us. Amen. I realized I didn't welcome the people looking, uh, watching from home in the live stream, so welcome to you today. And now for all of you, I have a question. Um, do you know someone, could be a grandparent or an uncle or could be yourself, but you don't have to out yourself. Do you know someone who saves absolutely everything? I'm thinking of a particular uh, profile of someone in my mind who, you know, saves all their old tomato sauce jars because they might need them for something, reuses their wrapping paper from one Christmas to the next, um, all the recipes they clip out of magazines and have stacks and stacks. And for some people, like, you know, your, your parents, your grandparents, maybe they lived through the Great Depression in times of great scarcity. And so even now they have a scarcity mindset where there might not be enough and so you always have to make sure you have some extra. I wonder where it is in your life that you have a scarcity mindset. That's the fear, the worry that there won't be enough. Are you worried about money? Are you worried about your heating bill? Are you worried about food in your pantry? Probably not. Most of us in this room, I hope, are food secure. But with inflation, you know, the, what about the future? What about next month or next year? Will we have enough? Will I have enough to put gas in the car? Will I have enough for rent or mortgage or food or all these things? We have a, a scarcity mentality sometimes. And we can also apply that to things like health. What if my health isn't good enough? 
in the future. Or time. What if I don't have enough time to do what I need to do? You see, that mentality can really work through us. Here's the problem. As believers in Jesus, that mentality is one of the main things that we need to unlearn. That Jesus wants to teach us a different way, not of scarcity, but of abundance in him. So how can we do that? Well, when the people of Israel came out of Egypt, they had a scarcity mentality. Uh, We've been tracking with them through the book of Exodus. We've seen how God rescued them dramatically and powerfully from Egypt. He was with them. He led them through the Red Sea, parted the waters. Last week in chapter 15, two weeks ago in chapter 15, we saw that God led them into a, a place with no water and then provided water for them. He, after he's done all these things, they still have this fear that there won't be enough. The good news is that God always gives enough. God always gives enough. And as long as we have a scarcity mindset, we won't truly learn that. So I hope that today God will, will help root that mindset out of us. Because at best, if we live life with that scarcity mindset, at best we will forfeit contentment, peace, joy. And at worst, we will veer away from God and try to do things all on our own and be in control and say, God, I don't need you. Okay. Well, there's so many things we could learn from this wonderful chapter, but I want to kind of draw out three things, you know, because I'm a preacher, three things, three points. Um, And they come under three headings. Scarcity, um, food for the stomach, and food for the soul. Now, in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses looks back on the Exodus and on this story, and in chapter 8, verse 3, he says this about this whole episode. Moses said, God humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, famous words, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Scarcity, food for the stomach, food for the soul. So, number one, scarcity. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) If you'd open your Bibles to Exodus 16, if you're not there already, (coughs) I want you to track with me as we go through here. But we see in the beginning of the chapter that God begins to teach his people about his abundant provision by letting them face scarcity by letting them hunger. It's not as if the people are are wandering around and then they're like, oh, we don't have any food. And God says, oh, I guess I have to solve that problem. I should have thought that one through, right? God leads them to a place where they hunger. Did you catch that in the story? Why do you think God would do that? Well, to teach them to trust in his abundant provision. 
Apparently their food supplies have run out. They're in a desert with no food and nowhere to get it. No grocery stores, no, you know, uh, farmlands with, with crops available. Um, so they're hungry. Now some say a human being can survive up to two months without food. I think that's a generous estimate. I, if I go two hours without food, I get a little grumpy. Well, maybe three. And that's exactly what happened with the Israelites. They got grumpy. They grumbled. The word grumble is used about seven times in this chapter to show you their attitude. They grumble, they blame, they complain. Verse 3 records their words. It says, uh, they said this to Moses, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. You know, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all we wanted. I think they're misremembering what slavery was like. And this is only a month later. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. My goodness. Grumbling, complaining, blaming. Now Moses understands that their beef is not with him, but with God. He says, you're not grumbling against me, but against God, right? Um, even after the ten plagues, even after the deliverance, even after the water in the desert, they are grumbling. Now, you and I don't really know what it's like to hunger for food on a regular basis. We may have fasted from food for a time for a medical test or for spiritual reasons. Um, maybe you grew up in poverty and really did worry about food, so I, I could be misspeaking here. But now, you, most of us know there's always food in the fridge at home. There's always something on the shelf. But how do you respond when you lack something? when there's not enough of something you need. Do you respond like the Israelites? Do you grumble, complain, worry, stress? I do. Um, we are so prone to forget all the things that God has done in the past. It's like, it's like our mind erases all of the provision, all of the faithfulness of God. And right now when we need something, we go, we go, Lord, what are you doing? Why, why don't I have enough? Just speaking from experience. And so while God is testing us to see if we will trust him, we are putting him to the test and saying, prove yourself, God, provide. I think God wants to teach us to trust, to trust. Now, I wonder if there's a situation right now where in your life where you are lacking something, where you don't have enough of what you need in some area. And I wonder if it's occurred to you that God has led you into that place for a purpose, to teach you to trust him. I think that's the way he works that's what's happening here in Exodus. You know, if we never experience scarcity, why did Jesus say the rich that rich people have a hard time entering the kingdom? Because they have everything they want. 
If we never experience scarcity, we will never learn what it means to trust God as our provider. So if there's scarcity in your life this morning, um, praise God for it and allow it to lead you to trust. We're going to say more about that later. But the story continues to God's supply, the food for the stomach. Despite the grumbling and the bad attitudes of the people and, and really rebellion and faithlessness, they're ready to desert God and Moses. Despite all that, God graciously provides for them. Verse 4, the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Mic drop, right? I will rain down bread from heaven. And sure enough, verse 13, that evening, quail came and covered the camp. Now, we're not told a lot about the quail, but apparently they ate the quail too. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. We're told that every morning, like clockwork, this stuff would appear on the ground. People didn't know what it was or how it got there, but it tasted good. Verse 31 says it tasted like wafers made with honey. Um, many people have looked for some kind of natural explanation for what the manna was. And, you know, there is, an, a, particular, there is a particular insect in the Sinai Peninsula that feeds on the sap of the tamarisk tree and secretes a sugary stuff on the ground. Is that what manna was? Maybe God used that, but it was certainly more than that because every day it was there. Um, it was always the right amount, and it happened for exactly 40 years, just when they needed it. Now, here's the point of, of how God provides God provided exactly what they needed, exactly when they needed it, exactly the right amount. Um, it was always there for them in the morning, and it was always enough. When each household gathered for themselves, you know, said some gathered little, some gathered much, they always had exactly enough for the whole house. Um, verses 17 and 18, look at this. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. But there is a, there is a, a test in here. Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. So the manna was always enough for that day and that day only, right? Some people, however, thought, well, maybe if I get a little more, I can put some away for a rainy day, or I can just have a little extra in case it's not there the next day. What happens? They go out and they look for more, or the, sorry, they go out, they get more, and they save some just in case. But what happens? It turned, it rotted. It got maggoty, 
I don't know if they were spicy or regular, but <laughs> it got maggoty. The, the manna had an expiration date. Used by today, right? Used by today. God was teaching them to trust him for enough. At the, and think of this. At the end of every single day, they had an empty pantry and an empty fridge. How would that feel? Every day you eat all the food in your house and you wonder, is there going to be some tomorrow? That's exactly what God was doing with the Israelites. Now, there's one important exception to this schedule. We're told in verse 22 that on the sixth day, the people went out and gathered. And then when they got home, they realized it's twice as much as normal. So they report this to Moses and, and, and Aaron. They say, what's this about? Verse 23. So Moses said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save what is left over and keep it till morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Now, I, I want to show you why this, is so, why this is so important. And it leads into the third part of this message, which is God's provision for food for the soul. I'm going to switch mics here. This one is not doing too well. Can you hear me? Okay. So scarcity, and then God's supply, food for the stomach, and now food for the soul. Um, God hasn't given the Ten Commandments yet. They will come in chapter 20. But the first command that Israel receives is the Sabbath. Interesting. So the people knew they needed food, right? And God provided food. But they didn't know that they needed something else, something deeper. What was that? It was a Sabbath. Now think about it. For all of their, these people's lives, they had toiled seven days a week. They served a cruel master, Pharaoh, who saw them as labor units. How many bricks can you make in a day? That was their value to Pharaoh. They're slaves. And now here they are with God, and they're learning that God is a different master who values them not for what they can do, but for who they are. And so God gives them this day of rest, a day holy, which means set apart or special unto the Lord, just as God rested on the seventh day of creation. And on that seventh day, they don't need to gather food. They actually can't gather food. And if they try to, it doesn't work. They are brought into God's, to the cycle of work and rest. Now that was a lesson in trust because the Sabbath um, was like, if I stop working for a day, will I still have enough? 
Will the manna still be there the next day? Uh, this really speaks into our culture today. We haven't talked a lot about this in our faith and work series yet, but we live in a culture of overwork, of workaholism. On the one hand, people worship their work and work way too much, and I should say on the other hand, sometimes their economy is such that people are forced to get two or three jobs to just survive. And so we live in this culture of overwork, almost a uh, being a slave to work. Now, we feel the, the pull to work, to earn more, to save more, to get more chores done, to do something, anything. I wonder if uh, if you have trouble taking a regular day off from work or taking breaks from things, it may be a sign that you think you are the one who needs to be enough to get what you need. Maybe God wants to teach you instead to rest in him and to trust him for what he provides. Now, I do not believe that Christians, we'll get into this more later in Exodus, I do not believe that Christians are bound to keep the Sabbath in the same way that Israel was. Because in Christ, Paul says, all days are holy, and Christ is our Sabbath rest. That doesn't take away from the gift that God gave his people of a day off from work. What does that tell you about God? And it's a good idea to work and to rest. Listen to what Moses tells those who went out and tried to get a little more on the Sabbath. Verse 29. Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. It's a gift. It's a blessing. It's a gift. A day to be food for the souls. Okay, so let's recap. God, showed, God caused his people to hunger. Then he provided them with manna to satisfy their hungry stomachs. Then he provided them with Sabbath to satisfy something deeper in them. Their need for rest and for fellowship with God. What can we as followers of Jesus take from this? <clears throat> First, um, we can still trust God to provide for our physical needs. And Jesus taught us, right, to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Now, what are we praying? We're praying that God will give us enough. Not what we want, what we need for today. Jesus teaches us to live in a space of trusting God in the moment for the day not worrying about tomorrow, not projecting out, oh no, will I have enough? Will there be enough? Will uh, inflation get bad? Will my investments tank? Will I have enough retirement savings? Ah, give us today our daily bread. And we can trust that God will answer that prayer. Amen. Now this doesn't mean our food literally falls from the sky. <laughs> Does it? Even the Israelites had to go out and work to gather their food. And in the same way, 
God gives us the ability to work. God provides through the work of our hands and through the generosity of other people. But God still provides. God is able to provide what we need to live. And there's also a deeper truth to this that we, friends, we get the real fulfillment and meaning of this manna story in Jesus. Do you know how that works? John chapter 6 tells us the story of Jesus feeding this huge crowd of people. You know the story, the little boy who gives Jesus his lunch with five small loaves and two fish, and Jesus multiplies the bread and the fish and feeds thousands of people. He's the provider. But then what happens? Jesus It says they tried to make Jesus king by force, so he escapes. He slips away, because that's not what he came to do. The crowd catches up with him and basically wants more food from him. (laughs) And Jesus knows it. And so he talks to them and says, listen, you're looking for me because I gave you food, but you need something a lot more than food. You need the true bread that came down from heaven, which gives its life for the world, and that's me. Right? And so in John chapter 6, Jesus says, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Do you understand what Jesus is getting at here? There is a a physical hunger, which is real, and there's a deeper spiritual hunger that we all have. And if we don't have Jesus, nothing will ever be enough for us. Nothing. You can have all the food, all the stuff, all the money, and nothing will ever be enough. But if you have Jesus and nothing else, you have more than you need. You have everything you need and more. Jesus is the living bread that satisfies our deepest hunger, our deepest need. It's amazing. The Apostle Paul is a prime example of someone who got this, who understood what it means that Jesus satisfies. Do you remember in, um, well, through his ministry, Paul sometimes didn't have daily bread. Sometimes he went hungry. Sometimes he slept under the open sky. Sometimes he was beaten to within an inch of his life. Was God abandoning him? Had God not provided for him? I'm sure he prayed, give us today our daily bread. And yet Paul wrote these words in Philippians 4, 12. I have learned the secret of being content in whatever circumstance, whether well-fed or hungry. What was the secret? He had Jesus. And Jesus was enough for him. Jesus was enough. 
How might we be able to say this? How can we say Jesus is enough for me? I think the key is to look at that thing in your life where you experience lack right now. Lack of money, lack of health, lack of um, time. And look to that thing as a way to learn that Jesus is enough for you. A way to see Jesus' provision, material provision, yes, and also to see that Jesus can truly satisfy you. I'd invite you to pray these words. Think of that thing where there's lack in your life, where you're worried there won't be enough. And say, Jesus, teach me through this lack that you are more than enough for me. Jesus, teach me through this lack that you are more than enough. And let's see how God answers that prayer. Amen.